Thanks, Norm. Hello, folks. How are you? <clears throat> Good to see you all. Uh, there are several people that uh, have asked me if I would pray for them and anoint them with oil. Uh, and I am going to do that after class in the room at the rear of our, this particular room. This comes out of James chapter 5. You know, Scripture tells us that if you are ill, that you can go to the elder of the church, and the, the elders will pray for you and anoint you with oil, and you will be healed. There's nothing magical about the oil, but it's in the submission of us to God and honoring the Word. And so if you feel that you want to be anointed today, you stay after class, go to the back room, and I'll be there, and we will anoint you with oil. And I don't care how many of you come forward, we will do that. All right, let's continue with our ongoing study of the Gospel of John, John chapter 14. And we are deep in the issue of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to continue uh, this week. I will continue next week on this issue because this is one of the most misunderstood subjects uh, in Christian theology. So many Christians really do not understand the issue of the Holy Spirit. And just to summarize the, the, the salient issues that I've talked to you so far about, uh, you know that the Holy Spirit is the, uh, part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And each part of the Trinity is a discrete, separate entity. They have a personality. Uh, and the Father is, is separate from the Son, and the Son is separate from the Holy Spirit. Together they are all united as one God. I told you that we think of that as water. Water can be as liquid, it can be a vapor, it can be solid as ice, but it's all water. And notice I said water, uh, not water, because I come from New Jersey. And that's how we say water, and that's how we say coffee. Anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, I want you to be able to, to uh, focus on those issues so that you know that, and you have an understanding of the Holy Spirit. So we do not, there's no uh, essence that the Holy Spirit is, is a metaphysical force. It's not a metaphysical force. It is an entity. It is an entity. And the Holy Spirit is with us, he's in us, and he guides us. And so we spent a lot of time uh, talking to you last week about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to make sure again that I begin by reiterating that in case some of you may have missed it. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and I'm not talking about a mental acceptance, I'm talking about a heart acceptance, that you give yourself over to God and you say, Lord, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, I need you to take over my life, I will follow you the rest of my days, Lord. And when you make that uh, repentance and confession to God, you are sealed immediately with the Holy Spirit. God plants the Holy Spirit in your heart. You have it there forever. Um, and so the question for us today is, why is it that so many Christians do not seem to have uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in their life? They seem to be living lives that are not in, in accord with God's will. And that is because that even though they may be saved and even though they've gotten the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they have not allowed the Holy Spirit to have sway in their lives. And we're going to talk about that. So today we're going to talk about the issue of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what you receive when you become a Christian, and your ongoing walk with God, the filling 
and refilling of the Holy Spirit that you need, that we all need, in order to have a powerful Christian life. This is key. Every day of your life, you live in an evil world. You get up and you are surrounded by evil. And it's as if you are a pail, and that pail leaks every moment of the day. And as that pail is leaking, it's as if the Holy Spirit is dripping out of your life. And so you know that, I know many of you have experienced this, that there are times when you feel low, that you don't feel empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the reason for that is you've not really asked God to continue to fill you and refill you and draw closer. So we're going to speak about these issues today. I'm going to talk about that uh, and what you need to do to experience that and what it all means. Now, we're going to give your Bible a workout. Let's start with Ephesians chapter 5 as I put this together. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 18. Verse 17. So this begins to explain to us what it means to be filled with the Spirit. How does God look at that as as an ongoing act in our lives. Verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, well, how? And it continues, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So here you see the emphasis on a life of submission, a life of joy, a life of thankfulness, all right? This is not someone who's bitter or raging in anger, but rather it's someone who is submitting their heart one to another within the church, within the community of God, uh, to other Christians, has a spirit of joyfulness, a spirit of thankfulness. And what this is, this shows you how God looks at part of the exercise of being filled daily with the Holy Spirit. As you live this kind of life, if you evidence this in your life, you have that spirit of thankfulness. God pours more into your life. You sing songs. Uh, you, you read the scripture. They talk there about re, re, uh, singing psalms. Today, the, the analysis of that would be you're reading scripture. You're, you're filling your heart with God's word. You're praying to God. As you speak to God, you're speaking to God a hundred times a day. You don't need to have a prayer shawl or a room in your house where you lock yourself in for 20 hours in order to get this experience. God is pouring it out freely. I want you to understand that. He's pouring it out freely. He's with you. God is with you in the Holy Spirit. He's already sealed you. But the analysis is that you need to continually draw closer. The problem is that for many of us, we have spent a lifetime of suppressing the Spirit. We have taken that pilot light and tried to ranch it down as much as we can because we're afraid that if we just let the Spirit have sway in our life, not only will we be powerfully filled with the Spirit, all of a sudden we may be doing something flaky, like who knows, getting on a boat to Africa and going to Africa. I can't tell you how many people have said that to me. Oh, I don't want to go to Africa. Oh, I don't want to go to Africa. Let me clue you in. Do you think God, seriously, would send many of us 
to Africa knowing what we would probably do to the work of God in Africa. <laughs> we would probably send the work back about a hundred years. Now, God isn't going to do that. God knows where your heart is and where your talents are, and he's going to lift you up in that regard. Uh, and so it's important for you to get this sense of what it means to give sway to the Spirit. You're baptized. The Spirit is in you. Now, how do you go on a continual day, a continual life in an evil world, uh, and continue to, to see the fruit in our life? And that's what this is about. God wants to see you grow and have spiritual fruit. And the only way that that will happen is when you continually refill yourself with the Spirit of God. Look while you're there in Ephesians. Turn one, one chapter back to Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 4. And this, this again makes the point that I want to I make to you. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One Spirit, one baptism, one over all, through all, one God. Could it be any clearer? Honestly, as I said last week to the early class, these, these verses are so strong. They preach so mightily. All you have to do is get out of the way if you're a teacher. Just let the words say what they say. And so you understand that. You see this. And so the key here is if you want to be, uh, have a, a, a powerful Christian life, you want to be used by God, you need to have this continuous filling of the Holy Spirit in your, your life. Uh, and here's the other thing. The continuous filling of, the, of your life through the Spirit is not an emotional experience. You got that? This is not necessary to have an emotional experience. It can be the most simple, profound experience where God speaks to you and he's filling you up and preparing you for service. So human emotion, outward emotion, is not the indicia of the continual refilling of your life. What's the indicia is the fruit of the Spirit. That your life is being evidenced of the change that God is doing in you. Uh, and we're going to study some verses in here that, that, that uh, make that quite clear. Um, because God has commanded this of us. This is what God has wanted. And we know in other verses that God has said that whatever you ask, he will give you. And so as you come to this point in your Christian walk, and, and you come to say you have some deficits in your life, you ask God to address those deficits in your life. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about possessions or things like that. I'm talking about character issues. Father, make me more loving. Help me, Father, not to say have a sharp tongue. Help me to act in a way in which I draw people to Jesus, not repel them. Not repel them. You know very well what I'm talking about. There are people that, you know, they, they'll tell you that they're Christians, uh, and yet people will be in the neighborhood and they'll see them leave on Sunday morning at 7 o'clock in the morning, and they don't get back until 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, and yet people will say, I can't believe that guy's a Christian. You should hear how he talks when he's on the golf course. You should hear how he acts when he's in the, uh, in the clubhouse. Uh, I've seen him exhibit anger and bitterness and rage and yet he says he's a Christian. Well, you know, you can say that you're a Christian, and you may have, in fact, accepted Jesus Christ and be saved, but the question is, have you allowed the Holy Spirit to have ongoing sway in your life? 
uh, and we're going to talk about this issue. One of the things we're going to talk about is the issue of quenching the Spirit. What does that mean, quenching the Spirit? You've heard that. It means that there is a cognitive act that you can do to suppress the emphasis of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can do this cognitively uh, in, in every possible way. Turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16. Again, Paul is giving us a recipe for encouraging the impact of the Holy Spirit in our lives. How can I, how, Lord, how can I have a greater impact with the Holy Spirit in my life? How can I be filled? Well, here it is, verse 16. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Now, let me make this clear. I'm not saying that if you're going through dark times, you need to have a lobotomy. All right? I mean, the joyfulness that we're talking about here is that inner joyfulness that lifts you up and affirms you at the darkest moments, when things are hard, when there's suffering and persecution. And maybe there's health issues or financial issues. And yet deep within your heart is that joy that that pastor talked about today from the pulpit, knowing that if you were called home right now, you're going to be with Jesus in two seconds. That's the joyfulness. That your life has been taken care of. That your future has been taken care of. That Jesus had his name on, in the palm of his hand. That's the joyfulness. So it's not a giddy joyfulness that, that's recklessly put on our face irrespective of, the, of the, the issues that we suffer in life. Rather, it's the most profound joyfulness in our heart knowing that we are part of the family of God. Verse 19, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. Boy, that, this verse is pregnant. This verse is pregnant. Do not put out the fire. When God gives you a, a filling of the Holy Spirit, as you feel the impact of the Holy Spirit in your life, God may be prompting you to speak to somebody about Jesus. Maybe you're in an airplane and you're in a seat, and somehow God is telling you, you need to share the gospel with the person sitting next to you. Many of us go like this, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. No, I don't know this person. I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm going to be embarrassed, you know, and here's what happens. It's all about you, you, right? You. I mean, really, God has saved you. Jesus died on the cross for you, and yet so many of us are still worried about us and not, and instead of saying, Lord, what can I do for you? It's when you feel that unction from the Spirit that you need to speak out, that you need to have the courage. You need to allow the, the, uh, the Spirit to have sway. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. What does that mean? It means that you're sitting someplace, maybe in this class, and your teacher is explaining something through the Holy Spirit about the Bible, and instead of you accepting the Word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit, you find a way to parse it 
and say, well, it's not about me. I don't have that issue. I'm not interested in hearing that. All right? Or you're in church and the music is playing and all of a sudden you go, I hate these hymns. I can't sing to these hymns. Who likes this kind of music? I don't like this kind of music. And you become a negative force. You become a negative force. Do you think that God has filled you with the Spirit in order for you to be negative? Or instead has God done this and lifted you up and filled you with the Spirit so that instead you are a positive force? That's why he's saying there, do not treat prophecies with contempt. And I would say that applies to all of the things that relate to the kingdom of God. God didn't call you to be a professional critic. All right? God didn't call you to be a professional critic. God called you to affirm the universal church of God. If you are with people who are serving God, you need to tell them how much it means to you. You need to affirm them. You need to pray for them. You need to lift them up. So many times I hear people say to me, well, you know, I want to tell you some good things, but I'm afraid you're going to get a big head. That's not God. Your job isn't to worry about how big my head is. That's God's job. Believe me, he's perfectly capable of chopping me down. All right? I can tell you, he spent a lifetime doing that with me. Your job is to affirm the people who are stepping out for God. All right? Whether it's in your family or in your community or in your church, that's what God has called you to do, to be an affirming presence in every possible way. All right? Test everything. Test everything. This is key. You're watching television. You're watching television. You see something that purports to be evangelical. You're listening to it. Now you ask God through the Spirit, God, is this of your will? Am I hearing something that's in accord with your teaching? And God will give you that discernment. All right? He'll give it to you. You have it inside you. The question is, are you asking God for it? Are you lifting it up? And you will discern whether it is from God. And I tell you that many times you will hear silently in your heart, that's not from me. And the key is, is it lifting up Jesus Christ? Is it pointing the way to Jesus Christ, to the cross of Jesus Christ? Or instead, is it pointing it to me, me, my ministry, what I need? What I can do for you. You send me 10 bucks and I'll, I'll give you 20 back. All right? You know the thing. You, you do something for me and you'll get a bigger house or a bigger boat or a bigger job or whatever the heck it is that you want to do. You think that's from God? All right? As I say over and over again, how did it work out for the first 11 guys under Jesus? I don't see any prosperity uh, ministry with that. But they're sitting today next to God. That's the prosperity. You understand that God has lifted them up in the most powerful way. And so this is, this, is, this is exactly how God wants you to live. And then he says here, hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil. Now you may say to me, well, that's pretty commonsensical, John. Hold on to the good. Well, it's not commonsensical. Avoid every kind of evil. And what I said in the earlier class was this. How many of us are now obsessed 24 hours a day with, I'll say it, Fox News. Okay? All right? Uh, Fox News. And I understand it. I like Fox News myself. But when you have this continual 
obsession with turning it on, the first thing you have to do, as soon as you roll out of bed, you need to get your dose of bad news. Yeah, let me turn it on. All right? I want to hear about it. And then the next thing you find out is the New York Times made some negative comment about the president, and then CNN responded about some negative comment about the president, and then uh, the president tweets out something, and now there's this nuclear argument taking place, and you're sucked into it because it means a lot to you, and I want to ask you something. Are you getting closer to Jesus? Are you getting closer to Jesus? You find yourself, oh, yes, thank you, Father. I know you're speaking in my heart. You know the answer is no. You know it's not. Well, that's when something good becomes evil. All right? My father used to tell us, you know, when I was like 13 years old, turn the, turn the TV off and read the Bible. Dad, I'm 13. You understand? <laughs> I'm 13. But you know what? Those lessons resonate, and that's the point. Really, read the Bible. Pick up an outline from a Bible study. Read it and study it and get closer to God and speak to God and you'll see how these things resonate in your life and how you'll begin to have a more powerful spiritual life, how God will, will do that to you. Look also at Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go there. A few pages back. Ephesians chapter 4. Good thing about my Bible studies is you're going to learn the books of the Bible, right? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. How do you suppress the Spirit? How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? How does that happen? You've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's sitting inside you. But how does it happen that, that you don't feel the ongoing impact in your life? Let's look at verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Wow. You should have that on the dashboard of your car. Because what I find even amongst well-meaning Christians is sometimes they can't get out of the church parking lot before we start gossiping. Sorry to say before we start gossiping, before we start sp saying about things or people, all right? And maybe it's, it's innocent enough, but after a while, it's not innocent, all right? And it hurts people. And the question is, are you lifting them up? Are you lifting them up so that they may be benefited? I mean, that's what God says to you. That's your role. Your role in this world, since he saved you, is to lift up others, are you lifting up others, or instead have you become a stumbling block? Meaning what? Meaning somebody says, I can't believe that guy or that lady's a Christian. I wouldn't want to go to that church. I wouldn't want to be a Christian. If that's what it means, I'm repulsed. Ask God to really deliver you out of this issue. Continuing on and reading in verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of, of redemption. Now, I want you to understand something. He is speaking to Christians. He is speaking to people who are saved. This isn't an evangelical treatise right here. This is a treatise being given to people who have already accepted Christ, who are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And yet, despite being sealed with the Holy Spirit, we see that there is a recklessness in their conduct, and they are grieving the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to grieve? Well, look further on. He's going to make it very clear. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, 
rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every kind of malice. Oh, wait a minute. Brother, we're saved. You're speaking to me about bitterness, about rage, anger, brawling? What's going on here? What kind of church is he talking about? What kind of people is he talking about? He's talking about us. He's talking about me. He knows exactly what it is when you live a life that becomes reckless, that you do not give sway to the Holy Spirit. This is the definition I'm giving you here of grieving the Holy Spirit. It means living your life in so reckless a capacity, so reckless a capacity that you no longer give sway to the spiritual things in your life. And what happens then? Well, you become bitter. And how many of us carry bitterness around? I mean, really, we've been saved, but we're still carrying scar tissue from 30, 40, 50 years ago. All right? Release it. Give it up. God's forgiven those people. You need to forgive them. God's forgiven you. And and you may be having this bitterness that somebody hurts you. And as I said in the earlier class, many of us have been hurt in church. We've been hurt by, by supposed Christians. And there's no worse pain, I'm sorry to say, than to, be, than to be hurt by somebody who does it within a so-called Christian environment. How many times have you heard me quote C.S. Lewis in the screw tape letters? When the senior demon talks to his nephew, who has just lost the patient he's been steering to hell. Why? Because the patient has just joined a church. And he's bemoaning the fact that, I, oh, I lost him, he joined a church. And, and, worm, and, and screw tape says to his nephew, The junior demon, fear not, dear nephew, we do our best work in church. We do our best work in church. Why? Because you see these attitudes from people who, while they are saved, have not given sway to the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is why you all walk around and you see people who you know are Christians, who believe they are Christians, who have accepted Jesus Christ, and yet you don't see the evidence in their life. The pail has drained out. The pail has drained out. And when the pail drains out, you need to have it refilled and filled again every day, constantly. And so you see it. Get rid of all bitterness. Rage. How many of us have ongoing rage? You know what I'm talking about. I had a a delightful couple this morning say to me that they were so convicted by the words that I said because in their own marriage, even though they... They get along and they've been married a long time. Each of them knows the buttons to press on the other person. I'm sure that's not the case here in, in this group. But you know what I mean. You live long enough with a person. You love them. And yet you know when you get down, deep and down, and it becomes a mud wrestling contest, you know, at those times we go through that. We all know the code words to say that hurt the other people. That's rage. That's bitterness. God doesn't want that from us. God doesn't want that from us. And so you have to ask God through the Holy Spirit to eliminate that part of your character. This is an important issue. And when it says, when it refers there to to brawling, that means uh, that's not physical brawling. I believe that the brawling in that sense is arguing. Arguing. Contentiousness. You know what I mean. You start, you see a brother or a sister and some issue will come out and immediately you become contentious instead of being submissive. Uh, And all of this, all of this grieves the Spirit of God. 
And that's what the Holy Spirit is, grieving the Spirit of God. And finally, they say there, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind, be compassionate, be merciful, be forgiving. Uh, and so you're saying to me, well, John, I don't have that kind of characteristic. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not born that way. I'm a hard guy. Well, then if you're a hard guy, you need to get on your knees and ask God to make you a soft guy. You understand? That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is planted in your heart to show you you need to change. And I, under, and I want you to understand something. The, the Spirit of God will actually change you. You may not be the same way that you started in your Christian walk. As this goes on year after year, this is a key thing to understand. So this is why you need to be constantly filled. Look, he's writing these verses and these epistles to people who have already become Christians. They've accepted God. They've accepted Jesus Christ. And they're sealed with the Holy Spirit, yet he's telling them that they need to advance in their walk. And the advance in the walk is by continual filling and refilling every day on an ongoing basis. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1st 13. Again, to understand the issue again as I hammer this home to you. Verse 13. For we were all baptized by one Spirit. One Spirit. Not many spirits. One Spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. When you were baptized and received as a Christian by God himself, when you accepted Jesus Christ, at that moment, instantaneously, he sealed you with one spirit. Don't let anybody tell you that you don't have the spirit. You accept God, you have the spirit. I told you last week, I, I get annoyed when people will come up to me and say, are you spirit-filled? All right? And I hear that. Are you spirit-filled? I understand what the code name of that is. Sometimes that's charismatic people wanting to know if you speak in tongues. Uh, and I'm telling you right here, and I know that there are people that have a private prayer language, and we'll talk about that uh, as we navigate this issue. But the issue for you to understand is there's one experience, universal <laughs> baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're sealed. Every single one of you in this room was that has accepted Jesus Christ has that. Now, as you walk... As you navigate this life in an evil world, God knows that you need continue filling. Because I already went through how you can grieve, how you can restrain, how you can hold the Spirit back. Uh, and so you need to understand that, that that is, that is an important experience for all of you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for all Christians. If you have not received that, you are not a Christian. It's for all Christians. Now, you may have accepted Jesus Christ. You may have given your heart to God. Uh, and maybe you did that 20, 30, or 40 years ago. And now maybe you're feeling kind of lost. Maybe you're feeling kind of dried out. Maybe you're not feeling empowered. And the reason that you're doing that is that you've spent 10, 20, 30 years suppressing and grieving the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. 
But you can change that instantaneously. You can do it right now as you're listening to me speak to you. You can say to God, Father, please help me, Lord. Help me to draw closer to you. Help me to embrace the Holy Spirit. Have let the Holy Spirit have a greater impact in my life. Let me be empowered, God, to do the things that you want me to do. And God will do that. All right? It's not some magic formula. It's not some magic formula. It's your recommitment to God to recognize that what he gave you inside you needs to be flamed up again. That the pilot light inside your heart needs to be turned up higher. That's what God is telling us today. And so many of us have lived our lives in a way that has turned it down and turned it down. And we wonder why we don't have the ministries that we do. We wonder why we can't advance the kingdom of God the way we want to do it. And so this is an important lesson in understanding how the Spirit of God works. I'm going to spend next week speaking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm also going to spend next week talking about the instances in the New Testament where they talk about being filled. And I'm going to go through that and explain that. I'm going to differentiate for you the first time the Holy Spirit evidenced itself, which was on the day of Pentecost, And I'm going to show you that on the day of Pentecost, when the 120 stay in the upper room and were commanded to stay there by Jesus, that on the day Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit descended uh, on the upper room uh, and, and the church age was born and the Holy Spirit came into the hearts of those believers. And what happened? They said that there were tongues of fire that were evidenced in that room and how that room broke out and began to speak in foreign languages. And I'm going to talk to you about what that means that they spoke in foreign languages because they became the first missionaries because there were 3,000 people in the streets from all over the world. There were a couple million in Jerusalem at that time and 3,000 people hearing this came and were gathered underneath that room and heard the gospel preached Not only in their own tongue, but in their own dialect. Forty different countries, we know for sure, based on what Acts tells us. And yet, everyone heard the gospel preached. And 3,000 people give their hearts. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's how on that day of Pentecost, God gave that gift in tongues. A gift of language. Why? To advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not to walk around with some badge. Oh, oh, I, oh, I can do this. Look at me. Oh, I can speak like that. No, it's to advance God. It's to advance Jesus Christ. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do in your life. As you do this and imbue it and pray for it, you will see that your head will bow lower and lower. It's less about you every day. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about him. We are unimportant. It doesn't matter about us. And when you get over that fact and step out of the way and point the way to Jesus, he will use you in a way that you have no idea. He will open doors that you will never consider possible. He will take you places that you never thought you could do because the Holy Spirit will be in your life. Let's close in prayer. We'll continue this next week. Father God, I thank you so much for the words that you've given us, Lord. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord. I thank you that you have allowed us to have a peace 
of the divine in our hearts when we've accepted you. Lord, help these lessons to grow. Help us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Lord, inspire us to ask more of you and to fill us more with your power so that we can advance the kingdom of God. Be with our people. Let this lesson resonate this week in every possible way. Protect them and bring them back safely next week to continue the study of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you.